The reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 1 to 6. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Fiona, <coughs> thank you for lead, reading for us. Um, well, we're going to look at uh, those verses in a moment or two. Um, first, let me just sort of reflect on the reality that um, you and I have had different lockdown experiences. Oh, in fact, and, and you and you have, and, and you and you have. We all have. Uh, our experiences of lockdown are inevitably very unique uh, according to our particular experiences. Um, so for, for Beth and I, um, my wife and I, uh, at home, just the two of us, uh, in a very comfortable house with a large garden uh, in a lovely city. That's a pretty comfortable lockdown by comparison with, well, say, those of you who have had uh, all that homeschooling to do and all of those additional pressures. Very different lockdown experience to the person who lives on their own. And perhaps for months went without any physical contact with another person. Very different experience to, to the lockdown you might have as an older person or somebody who finds tech difficult. Uh, the particular experience of, of our lockdown will be unique and full of its own particular challenges. And in, in this occasional kind of glimpse that we're doing of what does our faith have to say about our different maneuverings, sort of navigating through this past year of lockdown? Uh, it's good just to pause this morning and say, it will have been very different uh, for each of us. Particular challenges for teenagers who have had exams disrupted and, and all of the complications that have come with that. Gap years. Uh, that have had to be cancelled. University experience that has been so very different uh, this past year. And yet we make assumptions. We assume that y your struggles have been the same as my struggles. Uh, your challenge is the same as mine. And I speak to you as if I know what it was like for you. Um, and because of that, we find that we end up misunderstanding one another or offending one another. Um, well, when our conversations go awry in that kind of way, we need a bit of help. 
And uh, in our working through of the Sermon on the Mount, we come this week, I think, to some verses that, that really do help us. It, it, it's like sort of Jesus' conversational guidelines. Now, not all of it, I admit, speaks directly into sort of lockdown differences, but I think some of it does. Um, there are three paragraphs um, in this little section of Jesus' teaching uh, expressing three ideas and I want, to, I want to, as it were, present the, the negative first, uh, what it is that we need to avoid, and then the parallel positive, what it is that we need to, to seek to do. Okay? Um, so, three headings. Uh, here's the first. Avoid judgmentalism. Be generous in your judgments. And you immediately want to say to me, that's a terrible heading. What a useless heading that is. Because, I mean, you know, make your mind up. I mean, are you saying, do judge or don't judge? Is judge a good thing or a bad thing? Um, are you for them or against them? And that, I think, is the point. See, judgment is needed, but there is a right and a wrong way of doing that judging. See, when Jesus says, do not judge, he can't mean never make any judgments at all, can he? Because um, that would fly in the face of verse 6 at the end of our passage, when Jesus says, don't throw pearls to pigs. Uh, we'll, we'll get to working out what exactly that funny phrase means in a moment. But it must mean that you've got to work out what a pig is and what a pig isn't. Because otherwise, how could you obey his command not to throw pearls to pigs? You've got to work out. You've got to judge. Is that a pig or isn't it? Um, or, or glance over the page to, to verse 15. Um, and then you see there, Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. Well, there's another bit of judging. You've you got to judge, is that a false prophet or isn't it? And, and it's a tricky judgment, because they're in disguise. Here is a wolf pretending to be a sheep. You've got to be a really good judge to, to pick out the disguised wolf uh, that looks like a sheep. So it can't be that Jesus is, is saying no judgment at all. No, I think what Jesus is saying here is not avoid judgment in general, but judgmentalism in particular. Judgmentalism, that captures the, the person who, who loves to find fault, who, um, who's super critical forever declaring the, the, the terrible shortcomings of, of, of this or that person. It's the sort of person who, whose email just begins with a little bit of critique and ends with a little bit of critique, and in the middle is full of critique. That, that's the kind of supercritical person we're talking about here. Um, this is a person who, who makes a bad parent, who's a bad boss, who's a bad colleague, who'd be a bad pastor, person like this, this supercritical, hyper, sort of judgmental person, that they're terrible to work with. They're terrible to be around. They're terrible to go on holiday with. I mean, thank goodness we're not like them. Ah. That doesn't quite work, does it? See, judgmentalism is slippery, isn't it? Because you let your guard down for a moment and you're doing it. You're throwing around all this super-criticalness about other people. 
See, when you're being negative, then it's clear to me that you're being judgmental. When I'm being negative about something, I'm just right. That's the way that we think, isn't it? There's something about us that does it like that. But, but when we fall foul of that kind of way of operating, well, we, we, we do damage. We do damage to relationships. We do damage to whole communities. And we do damage spiritually as well. Because to be super critical like this, to, to, to throw out judgments without any generosity, without any grace... Well, how would it be if God treated you and I that way? If God just dispensed judgment with no generosity, with no grace, how would you and I do then? And I think that's the point of of the consequences that Jesus mentions here. Do not judge or you too will be judged. See, wonderfully, through Through the death of Jesus Christ, God has found a way to overlook every one of our faults and failings if we come to trust in him. And and having done that for us, he calls us to be like him, to live in imitation of him in that way. And and if we don't do that, then we're demonstrating that we haven't got it. Or perhaps more accurately, we haven't got him. We haven't understood grace. We haven't understood generosity. Because if we knew what it was to have received it ourselves, well, then we would begin to exhibit it in relationship with other people. You you, you get just the same idea. You remember back in the Beatitudes where Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Or, Or in the Lord's Prayer when Jesus says, or encourages us to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now, Jesus is not saying, look, being merciful earns you mercy. Or if you forgive enough other people's sins, then eventually you'll have clocked up enough credit and you'll get some of your own sins forgiven. That's not what Jesus is saying. No, 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 it's more like a demonstration. It shows that we have not only understood mercy, but we've received mercy when we demonstrate it to others. It shows that we ourselves have been on the receiving end of of, of great generosity and grace when we show generosity and grace to other people. Whereas what the supercritical person, the person who loves to find fault, what they're showing is that they never have. And for that reason, Jesus says, the measure you use is the measure that you have received and the measure that you have received is the measure you will use in other words there is a matching up between the way that you treat others and the way that you understand yourself to have been treated by God so there's conversational principle number one avoid judgmentalism be generous in your judgments and the second one is, is closely connected to this. Um, and it's avoid hypocrisy. Be attentive to your faults. It's a lovely uh, and very famous little word picture uh, that Jesus uses here, isn't it? Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye 
and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? It is supposed to be funny. Um, when, I was, uh, when I was at school a long, 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 long time ago, um, I used to go home by train. And uh, it was, it was the, the, the old sort of, um, sort of cattle grid trains, you know, with all the seats tucked in very close together, if any of you are old enough to remember those. Um, and on this particular occasion, I was going home with my friend Martin, and we were late because we'd been at cricket practice. So we were getting onto a really crowded commuter train coming out of London. And Martin had his cricket bag with his cricket bat over his shoulder. And we, and we, sort, of, we sort of climbed into, into the, into the carriage and sort of sneaking in between all the people sitting close to one another and Martin was sort of shuffling around trying to get into position and as he tried to shuffle around his cricket bag whopped a lady in the head sitting down behind her and I said Martin you just hit that woman on the head and he said have I who uh, and the next person got whopped on the other seats opposite I kind of felt like if we'd kept going everyone in the carriage would have eventually been clobbered it's supposed to be funny what Jesus is saying here it's a ridiculous image. Me offering to sort out the speck in your eye when there's a whopping great plank in my own eye. Oh, I can't quite see it. Oh, ouch, that hurt. It's supposed to be a ridiculous image, a mad image, an impossible-to-imagine image. It's completely balmy. It's a bit like me getting cross with you for being angry. Barney, will you stop being so angry? It's, it's crazy. How can you be angry with someone for being angry? Or, or it's like profoundly, it's like offering to share with you um, the, the, the tremendous, outstanding humility that I have learned and that I, from my position of excellence, can see that you really need. It's stupid to behave like that, to, to sort of elevate ourselves into a position of sort of moral superiority and sort of dispense judgment upon other people about what they need, that what speck needs taking out of their eyes, whilst we are exhibiting the very same failings ourselves. But we do it. The terrible thing about this plank business is that rather like my friend Martin, we don't realise what we're doing, all the clobbering of people we're doing with the plank in our eye. We get so focused on other people's problems, we become completely oblivious to our own. So step one is to, is to stop giving advice for a bit and start inviting some instead. To, to, to say, as it were, listen, I think my eye is all right, but I could be wrong. Would you have a look? See if you can see any specks in it. Oh, what's that? It's not a speck. You found a plank. Oh, you better tell me more. To, to, to invite that. Would we dare do that with our friends in our small groups? To invite that sort of eye examination? Now, it's worth doing, not least because it produces really good eye surgeons. Think about this for a minute. Eyes are really sensitive, aren't they? Um, you, know, you go touching your eye and it shuts straight away. Very sensitive. Um, it takes a lot of trust to let somebody go fiddling in your eye. 
And if, if you're going to do that, if you're going to let someone have a fiddle in your eye, who would you choose? Well, I think you'd prefer somebody who knew what it's like, who knows just how sensitive eyes are. In fact, ideally, someone who has recently had some eye surgery themselves, so that they know exactly what it's like, and are therefore gentle and patient, compassionate and understanding. They are someone who moves slowly because they know that eye surgeries, that's not something you can rush. See, it's hard admitting error. It's hard listening to critique. It's hard pressing through with the changes that are needed to sort out an error that we're making. And the person who is best suited to help us with that that delicate eye surgery is somebody who's recently had some eye surgery of their own. That's what Jesus is saying here. There's no one better at helping you and I sort out the sin and failing in our own lives than someone who has recently been sorting out their own. Because such a person has learned humility by grappling with their own shortcomings. It's why, uh, talking last week about the, those biblical counselling certificate courses, it's why the very first module in those courses contains two self-counselling projects. On the premise that before you want anyone trying to help someone else with their sins and struggles, you want them to have grappled with their own sins and struggles. You see, Jesus is not against speck removing. It's just hypocritical speck removers that he's against. Look at verse 5. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck from your brother's eye. We do need speck removers. Actually, we, we want a community of speck removers. A community of people who are convinced that there are specks and that they need removing and that help is needed to remove them. And together, we will do it. That's a community that is marked by humility, by love, by honesty, and by an absence of the hypocrisy that so often damages uh, the witness of a Christian church. So, Two pieces um, of, of conversational advice from Jesus. Avoid judgmentalism. Be generous in your judgments. Avoid hypocrisy. Be attentive to your own faults. Um, and now third. Now the, this third bit of advice is a little bit different. Um, and uh, I'm not entirely sure it makes, uh, it's entirely relevant. or immediate, It's relevance to, to the different lockdown experiences is, is very clear. But here it is. Third bit of advice I think Jesus gives is avoid indigestion be discerning with your words. Now, what on earth does that mean? That's another terrible title, isn't it? Um, it's another very vivid image, isn't it? A uh, little word picture that Jesus has uh, when he says to us uh, that we um, are to not give dogs what is sacred and to not throw pearls to pigs. I mean, how weird is that? 
I mean, imagine, what a funny thing to do, you know, to find your, your mother's best pearl necklace um, and to snip the string, gather up the pearls, um, drive out on the A11 until you find one of those pig farms and then scatter the pearls in front of the pigs. How weird would that be? Not good on lots of levels, not least for your mum. Uh, if you've pinched her pearl necklace. But it's just a weird image. And, 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 and the, clearly the reason that you shouldn't do it is because it's not going to go well. Um, pigs can't eat pearls. And so when they dive in, snouts to the ready, and start chomping on what they thought were little tasty morsels and find that they are cracking their teeth on those pearls, well, they're not going to be happy pigs. And at the very least, Jesus says, they'll, they'll start trampling the pearls, which would be a shame for the pearls and for your mother. Um, and then they'll turn and have a go at you for giving them such nonsense food. But, but, but do, you, do you see the problem here? The problem is not with the pearls. It's not that the pearls are cheap or flawed or, or somehow not very good pearls. No, they're excellent pearls. The problem is that the pearls are inappropriate. Pigs can neither appreciate them nor do anything with them. So the problem is not with the pearls. The problem is with the pearl giver. And that's where Jesus' emphasis lies. Not, not on some change that is needed in the pig. That's not his focus here. No, his focus is on the change that is needed in the pearl giver. Who needs to wise up, become a little bit more discerning, so that they don't end up giving people stuff that they can't digest. Now, I know one way of, of reading this little saying uh, goes something like this. Some people are so spiritually brutish and insensitive and, and won't receive the gospel message but the thing to do is, is just don't waste your time on them. Move on and find somebody who will. And you can kind of get that up to a point. But, but you need to pause for a moment and say, hang on. Once all of us were spiritually brutish. Or every single one of us spiritually insensitive. And it took the mighty work of the Spirit of God to give us spiritual sensitivity, to lead us out of spiritual brutishness and into spiritual life. True for every single one of us. So perhaps another way to read this is to see that Jesus is telling us to pay a little bit more attention to what it is that we, we give people in order that they can digest. See, it is possible, isn't it? that diving right in there by declaring, look, Jesus loves you, and he died for your sins, and if you'll only repent and believe the good news, you can inherit the kingdom of God. Sometimes that may not be your best tactic. It's true, gloriously, wonderfully true what you've just said. It's gloriously, wonderfully precious, but it just may not have been the right time to have dispensed that pearl. Sometimes I think that those of us who are Christians, we, we do evangelism a bit like Brits do holidays on the continent. 
when we find that other people are struggling to understand our English, we just speak louder, convinced that that'll sort it out. And of course it doesn't, because the problem goes much deeper. So when we find ourselves realizing that we need to step back, start a little bit further back in our communication with somebody, that's what we need to do. See, it might take years, perhaps, to, to provide the kind of words, to, to provide the kind of thoughts, to be the kind of person around those friends, family, who, who are not yet believing in the Christian message. Years and years to help them to develop, if I can put it like this, an appetite for pearls may not happen quickly. But as Christians wanting to help somebody to appreciate the beauty and the value of the pearl that we have come to treasure above all treasures, that we have been willing to sell everything to get in the other of Jesus' parables on the pearl, we should be willing to be patient like that. So there you go, a sort of relationship guide from Jesus. Three principles uh, for good and wise conversation. So that whether we're talking to one another about our lockdown experiences or we're talking to, to unbelieving friends um, about spiritual matters, we do it well. We do it with generosity and grace. We do it with honesty and humility. And we do it with wisdom, knowing that different words are needed for different people. And would you notice how in all of this it's the gospel that drives it? It's the gospel that, that, that says to those of us who believe, listen, you were once pig-like in your thinking, insensitive to the things of the Spirit. But God showed you grace. Wonderfully, kindly, graciously. God led you to an understanding of all that Jesus had done for you, and you came to treasure that above all treasures. Gently he did that with you. Wonderfully he did that with you. Be like that with other people. Be generous, be gracious, be patient. Treat others the way that God has treated you. Let me lead us in a prayer. Uh, our Lord God, we, uh, we know that at times uh, people find Christians, find entire churches uh, to be smug, uh, to be self-righteous. Uh, and uh, we fear that sometimes uh, that criticism of, uh, of us is right and justified. Forgive us. Uh, help us to be so aware of uh, the deeply, profoundly gracious way that you have dealt with us uh, that we are humbled, humbled by all that was needed for us to be forgiven. Uh, and therefore, uh, that the way that we um, speak to one another, uh, the way that we speak to anyone, uh, is marked by that same note of grace and generosity and love. Uh, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.
Well, the band's going to come back. We're going to sing again. It's a really good song for us to be singing uh, at this point as we seek to remember that heart of the gospel message uh, that um, drives uh, wise and good conversation. So with the music, we'll stand. I still can't sing, but you could hum uh, and certainly echo these words in your heart.